Warning, if you are faint of heart or easily offended, this show is not for you. You are completely over the ex? Yeah, I've okay. moved on from You're him. You're happy? I'm, I am relatively. happy, no. Well, like the happy ending to the story and why I think it's relative to the relevant to the conversation. First off, I just, I'd like hinted it to, at it before when like I've been on other podcasts or done other interviews. Like I had like a sort of like a vague health crisis and like didn't really talk about the fact that like my fiance and I like broke up six months before our wedding and I lost my damn mind. But I think it's important because, yeah. you know, people that are watching this that like had sort of like a gap in their life and they think like, oh, it's like it's over for me. Like I'm not because that's what I thought when I was going through it. Like I had so much potential. I had a degree from NYU. Yeah, I was like. Um, writing I was getting meetings with like agents and managers and I like I was on I was getting um, you know spots in comedy festivals for women being on like headlining shows and I just like I like my big break was coming like it was it was it was on its way down the pipeline and I felt like I I, like blew my chance and my life was over and that's sort of the happy ending that poker gave me All right, welcome to the Nick Vertucci Show. I am Nick Vertucci, and I am here with Caitlin Kaminsky, all the way from Texas. Texas, Wow, what a big uh, haul for you, but you're going to be here for a couple days with me. Yeah, I'm very excited. Yeah, We're going to get to know each other on the microphone. So it is the 14th of of January, so because this may come out in a couple weeks, because we have, I have a lot of uh, pods in in the tank, so for everybody, this is January 14th. Caitlin has come down to uh, to be interviewed and to talk about what's up and who she is and her. Uh, you kind of have become kind of popular since the Jack Four thing. Like you were popular anyways. No, I'm more popular than I've ever been since musical theater camp when I was 13. I've not been this You've popular. You've not been this popular. No, it's very yeah. disorienting. Everybody's getting a little piece of this action, <laughs> right? You know yeah. what I'm saying? You're getting a piece There's of the action. There's enough to go around. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, so you, so you came down, we're going to do this and then we have been talking and we're going to also do another show that we're going to put out that you're going to co-host with me. And, and to your credit, I asked you, Hey, do you mind putting together some bullet points of some things that are going on in the poker world and in, uh, life? And I have never seen a four or five page detailed freaking summary like this in my whole life yeah it's so funny because of how I come off I'm like a very outgoing like center of attention personality people don't assume that I'm like a type a like yeah like really high strung bitch type as well but I'm both you're both I'm a beautiful tapestry well it's well we do have we people do have I used to when I was teaching and stuff I talked about you know when you're in business there's different personalities and you have to understand them and we actually used to make references to fish there was the shark the whale the sea urchin and the dolphin and the shark is the type a personality the Mm go-getter the whale is the oh let's have fun and if you're talking to them you know they want to tell stories 
or they want to do business for you know the good and to help and to give back and and then you have the sea urchins who can put together like this detailed analytical they want to analyze everything they're mm-hmm. very thorough um, and then you have the dolphin which you have a lot of too which just wants to like have fun and bounce a ball off its nose so yeah. we're a little bit of of all those personalities right yeah which, which we're also which, the barnacle on the boat which ones are you dominant in I definitely feel like I've got the dolphin yeah. side of me that is, you know, a little bit too creative. Like my home is very messy. Like I can prepare for things and I yeah. can work really hard and I can get very tense. Like about my poker study, I'm very intense and obsessive about. But I definitely also like my car is always a disaster. I'm way overdue for an oil change. Yeah. I need a new battery. So you're not so, OCD. No, there are definitely, you know, areas of improvement where I'm still a disaster. Yeah. And those things will probably always be an improvement because we have certain personality traits that we just we just are. Well, I'm just like hoping that I'll meet a man eventually and then he'll just like take care of everything. Like he'll take my trash out and he'll keep my car maintained and I'll just like give him a good Hummer every once in a while. And my life. (laughs) A Hummer. Okay. Wow. Okay. well, we're going to. Dig into <laughs> your, your date. No, your dating life soon. But uh, if the Hummers come up, they come up. That's going to be up to you. Uh, let's start with the basics before we start talking about oral sex. You <laughs> I think do that's that? fair. Should, I think we, should fair. we get to know each other first? Uh, I mean, should I don't? If you want to be hey, a little a little sensitive about you it? You want to be traditional? No, I don't really need to know you. But no, I'm kidding. All right, are we ready? Oh, that's gonna, they're going to go crazy. Uh, yes, Caitlin is staying here. For the mm-hmm. next three days, because by the way, you're you're uh, contemplating staying, and um, on today's the 14th, but on Tuesday, uh, Robbie's going to be either coming in or calling in on Zoom, and mm-hmm. so you might want to sit in with me and be part of that action. I'm very excited. You know, I love Robbie. She's yeah. one of a kind. Yeah. So okay, so let's see. You're from Dallas originally, originally and from you Dallas. had a religious upbringing. Yeah, so my parents themselves aren't very religious. Like we only went to church every, you know, every now and then. But they sent me to a very religious school. It's Trinity Christian Academy in Addison, Texas, and I started there in kindergarten. And I was in that same private school all the way through to senior year. Mm-hmm. This is the type of school where we have you know, um, assemblies almost every single day, especially in high school where there's like praise and worship and there's a sermon and, uh, we had Bible, Bible class all the way through school. Um, I think we read through the Bible twice. Uh, we read once through middle school and once in high school. So yeah, a lot. If you want to do a Bible trivia ever night, like I would be dominant. Absolutely. dominant. Yeah, no, you were, well, we'll give them a little uh, insight too. So last night, Mm-hmm. It was Friday the 13th, right? Friday the 13th. I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. And uh, once a week, I play gin mm-hmm. with my cousins. Uh, so it's teams, two on two. And you were here last night, and you kind of sat around the table with us, and you watched gin night, and you were talking to one of my cousins. This subject came up, mm-hmm. and he asked you a question about, I think, like, what's the first uh, story? What's the first story, uh, story in the Bible, or what's the first book? The first the book of the book? Bible, the last, last book? book. What's the second to last? And instead of just answering his questions, you rattled off all the books in order. Yeah, pretty. You pretty, want me to do it for your fans? Go. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Esther, Ezra, ne- Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther. Wow. Yeah, that's like halfway through the Old Testament. Yeah, no, that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah, so if you guys got any Bible trivia, Caitlin Kaminsky's your girl. Komeski. Komeski? Komeski. I, I go Kaminsky. You're trying to make it Polish, which is fine. Well, the Kaminsky, Polish are I, good people, but I'm Kaminsky Irish. Park? 
Comiskey Park. Comiskey. When you add the inski, that's when it. So you're Comiskey. Comiskey. You're Comiskey. There's Comiskey, Kaminsky, and Comiskey. Yeah. Can I'm you not, keep I, that straight? No, I'm just never going to say your last okay, name. Okay, we'll just say Caitlin from Texas then. Caitlin that's C. my branding. Caitlin We've I've been C. I've been trying to like transition into people knowing me as Caitlin from Texas. Is that then your that way they thing? can search for me easier? Like you know, like uh, digital marketing. Oh, so that's gonna savvy. Be your, that's going to be your new thing. Are you going to change? It's not new. I but like the name of my YouTube channel is Caitlin from Texas, and I okay. like if I'm ever like putting making like a digital flyer or whatever, I try to use Caitlin from Texas just so people don't have to struggle with yeah. my last name. Is it Polish? Is it Irish? Do we like her? Got it. But mm -hmm. you're Irish. I'm Irish, you're for the Irish. record. Got it. If I was Polish, I would own it, too. But that's well, just Well, yeah. You know, I, I uh, from. a nice young gal in here that was Polish that sat with me for a while. So Polish, Absolutely. Irish, whatever. Tomatoes, tomatoes. Yeah. All my love to Veronica. Veronica was one of, like, the first people to find me on TikTok and like me. And uh, good luck with your new job, Veronica. I'm yes. sure Nick misses the bejesus out of you. But I know you're, like, a powerful woman in STEM. That's woman right. in tech. Uh, getting your getting your bag so get it Veronica but we yep. do miss you we miss yep. you she's got things to do she's doing them good uh, you went to New York University and you got a BA in theater BFA yes what the hell is a BFA Bachelor in Fine Arts so with ah. the Bachelor in Fine Arts it's just like a little bit more like practical classes I guess so I had like a lot of dance classes and voice classes in the acting major at NYU there are like seven different acting studios and you'll spend three days a week in your acting studio doing like your dancer yoga scene study character um, stage combat all those different like actorly classes and then two days a week you're in academic classes so to get the theater degree you need a lot of theater history classes so I studied the history of musical theater especially in the golden era of musical theater so if you get done with bible trivia and you want to know about musicals of the 1940s or 50s you want to talk rogers and hammerstein bb i got you and then <laughs> and then i was actually a political science minor as well so those were the classes i studied i struggled in the most like i went i fell in love with this Ital this little old italian man with a cardigan sweater i just thought he was the cutest little communist i'd ever met in my life and um i was so i told you this last night like i grew up very very conservative and yeah. i was like and i like was very much like beating the drum of texas like i listened to mark levin and rush limbaugh every day i was debating all the you know new england kids about abortion the conser the <laughs> like, conservative points. i was i was as red as they come when i got to nyu <laughs> and this uh little uh communist italian man he just adored me because i would sit up there and talk about like be like a literal originalist of the constitution and it just made him it very easy for him to illustrate his points again yes so he loved me and i was a big participant in class even though i was probably the dumbest one in that class by a mile because everybody else in there was like you know you like could be getting the dumbest one in class but if the teacher likes you the most you're just you're printing grades right or, oh my gosh yeah. and yeah i bet no all those kids that are like lawyers and like business executives yeah. that took his class they don't email him still Mama that's, does. That's right. Mama that's does. Right. Pasquale, I miss you, baby. <laughs> His name's Pasquale. Pasquale. Got it. Pasquale. And so you sing, you dance, you act, mm -hmm. you do impressions, which, by the way, has catapulted you into the uh, public eye even more because when we went through the Jack Four mm -hmm. stuff, you did impressions of me, yeah. of uh, who else? Uh, everybody. Who else did you do? Robbie Jade Lou, yeah. I did you of Joey Ingram, oh, of course. Right. Uh, I made him extra Chicago um, and a cocaine addict, which he is not. He still is mad at me over me We're gonna, <laughs> acting like he eats uh, boxed pizza, frozen pizzas and cocaine. We'll, we'll show he you this clip. Real, we'll, we'll put this clip up in a second. So, yeah. I got an eight ball, a six pack, a Coors Light and uh, a deep dish pie. We're, we're ready to go. 
Uh, we got a lot of people in the chat today going to call in. We got a nice 12-hour stream. Hope you don't want to sleep. We got Robbie J. Lou on the line at the center of this controversy. What do you got to say, Robbie, about the new allegations? I was on a lot of medication for ADHD. I was born with a golden spoon in my mouth, and money just really doesn't matter to me. I'm like, sorry, get pressed about it. <laughs> what? And, uh... I no, one thing that people don't know about the impressions is um, at my time at NYU, I was actually in the same acting studio and close to the same year as Chloe Feynman, who is now a regular on SNL, and she is known for her impressions as well. Wow. And so I had never like been an impressionist coming up. That was like sort of more her thing that um, I knew about. But I just had an idea for this video, and I went. I went with it and I've always been good at voices and imitating voices but impressions hadn't been like a thing that I had pursued but I just went for it do, do the one you did of me do you remember it I have history in law enforcement I don't want to I don't want y'all to mess around hey sorry sorry I just I need my sleep chocolates I need my sleep chocolates I'm getting a little worked up I'm, I'm a nice guy but like if you're gonna get me worked up <laughs> pretty much pretty much pretty much, pretty much. Uh, um yeah, and uh, I've watched some videos of you. You sing. Matter of fact, you were walking down the hallway a little while ago, belting out a tune. You're pretty good. Yeah, I'm stunning lyrically. <laughs> You're really good. So you have videos up of that, right? Um, I don't have that many a couple. videos up. But if you ever want to go, if you get the chance to do karaoke with me, y'all, you do not say no. Mama goes out full yeah, out. Got it. And uh, burlesque. Yes, yeah, so I hosted a burlesque show for uh, a lot of years in my 20s that I toured the country with. Um, it was called Pinups on Tour, which is still a brand that is in, in existence today. You can check out their website. Um, and they provide free entertainment for active duty and veterans. So any mm. active duty and uh, military veterans are welcome to attend our show for free. And then civilians can pay the door price. And we provide nightlife entertainment for um, our soldiers, you know, 22 um, of our servicemen are lost every day and it was a really noble cause that I was proud to be a part of and being able to connect with people that are in a really hard time in their life trying to assimilate back into society after time overseas so I'm very proud of the work that I did with That's that brand cool. um, it was sort of like a USO Americana themed and I talked about this before but in LA like when you're pursuing stand-up you know it's really hard to get time on stage to get better and well most you know, people didn't know you did stand-up till right now yeah, I do stand-up comedy as well. That's sort of what brought me into the burlesque. I started doing stand-up during burlesque shows as just like the comedian interlude. And then my friend needed a host, so I learned how to do that as well. But um, it was like USO-themed and Americana, and I couldn't get stage time back in L.A. doing like open mics. You get like three minutes here, seven minutes there. Maybe you're lucky if you get ten when I was like the host of the burlesque show, mm -hmm. you know, I'm introducing the show, I'm warming up the crowd, I'm in between every single performer, I get like as much time to do, I could I could do between 20 and 30 minutes of stand-up and musical comedy if I wanted to, and then I did some like audience participation bits as well, so those years on the road, I really got that invaluable stage time where I felt very, very on top of my crowd work and my material and yeah, invaluable years. That's pretty cool. Um, you have a relationship you're in right now with a puffer fish. Yes. 
I have I've, a porcupine puffer fish. Yeah. And he's the only one in my saltwater tank that has a name. I've never named anything. What's I have his lots name? of corals. Stimpy. I named him Stimpy, oh, like from Ren and Stimpy. Yeah. You guys have a thing? Yeah, he's a big dumb idiot. And you he like just big like, dumb idiots? <laughs> almost exclusively. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. Any of you big dumb idiots out there, put your applications in. Yeah. Um, you sing, you, you play the ukulele. I do. Oh yeah. So when I did stand up, I did musical comedy. So I, if I was doing like 15 minutes, I'd probably do like three short little songs in addition to my jokes in between. Oh, my God. You're mm-hmm. like the entertainer 10Xer. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's my Myers-Briggs personality as well, to the surprise of no one, the entertainer. You told me that you are the worst, wretched, most awful person for in dating. Like yeah. you're the worst. I'm really bad. I... Only I almost exclusively only like guys that are indifferent to me, which is worse than liking guys that dislike you. <laughs> I think it is, so. Indifference is the worst possible it's reaction really, like, you can get from anybody. But honestly, if you want me to be obsessed with you, like tell me that you think I'm like really fun friend to be around, but that you don't want to date me, and then you will become my obsession, and I will try to do everything. So that works. So rejection <laughs> is your thing. Rejection really turns me on. Yeah. So you get rejected, and you just sliding all over the place. I yeah. Because um, like who like who likes nice people that are just like into you? Why and is just, it like li- available? Listen. Caitlin, why is it like that? I think it's like a it's a poker girl thing too. Like Melissa Schubert, uh, Poo Dog Melissa, and I talk about this a lot. How like neither one of us are attracted to like kindness or men that are obsessed with us at all. Like if you want to spend time with us and like be really sweet, and we also think it's really or I specifically uh, think it's really suspicious when guys will go on like two or three dates with you and not even kiss you. I'm like, are you gay? Right. Like I think it's really weird. Like I don't know. Maybe I'm a whore, but I just think it's so weird. Like there's this one guy I play poker with back in Austin, and he's always taking girls to brunch for a first date. Oh, and I'm like, how are you gonna make out after a mimosa, you yeah. weirdo? And then like he was like, yeah, we went on like five or six just dates before we had sex, and I'm like, what? If I got okay, so I did actually date a guy in Texas who took me on five or six dates before we had sex, and f- first of all, the sex was terrible terrible like some of the worst sex I've ever had I don't know why he made me wait so long and two like I genuinely like it made me think he was gay I I was like you're just like clearly not interested in women well maybe he knew it was going to be terrible and just wanted to hold out because every time he has sex with someone no one goes out (laughs) with him again what what, okay that tracks could it be it yeah that tracks what was terrible about it be specific like what besides I know sometimes you you just don't have chemistry but oh my god what mechanics were bad (laughs) Well, first of all, once I got him naked, I realized like he was hairless like a dolphin and he like had really thick eyebrows. So that was not natural. So he had no hair on his body, but his eyebrows. Well, like, yeah, like he he had dark hair and he had like thick eyebrows and thick facial hair. So like I knew he was growing hair. But then like once I was like under the covers, I was like, okay, like, where's your chest hair? Where's the hair on your back? Did he take it off? I didn't feel it. Really? Not even like stubble? Like maybe he had some kind of disease where all his hair... Alopecia, but not on his head or his face or his eyebrows. I mean, I don't know. How thick were his eyebrows? Smooth. I don't know. I like. I like. I need men to be like the masculine. You like men, men's men, right? Like, if I get you in bed and you're softer and like smell better than I do, then that makes me insecure, and I don't like that. Yeah. So you don't want someone completely manscaped. You want a man to be a man. Yeah, I prefer a man. Um, I prefer a man. I prefer a man. Um, so how thick were his eyebrows? Like, if there was a Velcro wall, would he get stuck on it? Or yeah, like he looked Scottish. Like, if I had to guess his heritage, I'd say like Scottish. If you had to guess his heritage. 
Scottish. His heritage. I have a, a <laughs> video that I'm going to send you about people who talk like that. Yeah. Did the you ever, people that ever, live here in California. Have you ever seen it? Because this there's this... Uh, there's this video of a guy walks up to the uh, this gal getting a coffee, and I'll maybe I'll put the link in so they can see it. And mm-hmm. he's like, "I'd like a, a black coffee." She goes, "You want room for cream?" Do you want room for cream? And he goes, "Yeah," like knocking her. And then they go back and forth, and and she goes, "Why are you talking like that?" And he goes, "Why are you talking like that?" Because he was knocking her. And I'll I'll put the link in. It's freaking hysterical. I've seen that actually. Now that you're saying it, I think my friend Jules sent me that one. Yeah, I don't know. I don't like making fun of the way women talk too terribly bad, but we do sound dumber than shit sometimes. Well, I'm not making fun of women. <laughs> Let's be clear. No, the way we talk. We talk. What what men talks like this, Nick? That's right. It's women. It's and women. He's, and what he said in the video, it's the two women that, that talk like that are either very rich women or young, very young women. So you're yeah. young. No, I mean, that's why my sort of like my, my Texas accent comes and goes and my voice yeah. changes is because I went yeah. and I got actor training. Well, and you're they, an impressionist. They really tried to get, well, they tried to get my voice like neutral. So like, for instance, in the Texas accent, like when I showed up and I would try to like have a neutral voice, they would really get on to me about the I, uh, sound change. So like, what number is this? Me? 10. Yeah. 10, right? You say 10. ten. People that aren't from the South say 10, 10, uh, uh. but people in Texas, we say 10. Ten. We say ten. It's ten and a half. Uh, when are we going? We going right. there? Then we're going then to win. Yeah, I like that accent. I mean, I don't. Hate yeah, it. that's 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 my natural accent. Is if you it? if you want me to sound extra Texan for you, it's you up just to let you. You should probably lean into that. Yeah, I do for the most part, but that, I I used to, and then people started being like, I started to get a little blowback of like, oh my god, Caitlin's so fake. She's not like really from Texas, and like that's just like her like putting it on or whatever. Yeah, it made me insecure. Yeah, well. <laughs> You know, so okay, so you like men's men's men. Men's uh, men. You mentioned you like bigger guys. You don't want a little small guy. I need a big boy. Okay, a big boy. <laughs> uh, he's gotta he's gotta not smell as good as you. He's gotta have mm-hmm. some hair on his balls. And that's a high bar, by the way. I don't want to yeah. act like I smell, <laughs> smell like a barnyard. <laughs> yeah. Let's see what else. Um, and they need to be indifferent and reject you, and then yeah. you just want to jump their bones. Like if they're nice to you. It's a real people negative. are going to be so mean to me and it's not going to go well for them. I, I think, know. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where's the line of like they got to give some positive for you to like feel like you at some yeah. point. So right? here's the thing. I like I'm sort of being facetious with the whole like I like men that are indifferent for me. I think that's more just like a psychological thing. Like you want things you can't have. Well, that is true. Thing. That's what I'm saying. People do. <laughs> Hundred percent, but like on paper, I do like guys that are like obsessed with me. Right, <laughs> obsessed with you, but don't need you. Yes, I don't want to be a mother. You it's bad be, to be a yeah, mother. You don't want to be like, oh, they're needy. Yeah. Okay, so back to the question that we never answered is what mechanically was bad about this guy besides being like a shaved cat? There just like wasn't any chemistry. Like I just, I don't know. It just felt awkward. And I don't want to say like he was he was very athletic, like good looking, like mm-hmm. I, like I don't date uggos, like he's very athletic, good looking, like smart guy. Was it just a chemistry just, thing? I don't know or, if it was chemistry. Yeah, or he just didn't know where sex. everything was. He was very aware of the pumps. And the <laughs> he what? <laughs> like, I'm just, no, like, he, like it's just. 
Go no, now you gotta say whatever it is you're saying. No, you know, like the the pumps. You know what I mean? When he I mean, was aware pump. of it or you no, were No, I was. I was just very aware of like, oh God, like time like it was very quiet in the room. Like I could hear the ceiling fan. Yeah. Like, like you were counting the sheets them. Rustling, we were counting them like one, two, three, please I was very end. Not in four, the moment with five, this guy. please end six. I'm giving you to forty five and then this is over. <laughs> Something no. like that. He, that and that guy's so funny. Um, we're still on good terms. He's still like my Instagram uh, buddy, and he'll hit me up every once in a while. But he's always like negging me, like he only. Oh, he negs you. Oh, he. Negs Did you read me, the like, book The Game? Crazy. No, but how he do you know about negs? Because guys neg me constantly, That's constantly. And if you're in my Instagram DMs, you're probably being like, <laughs> I don't yeah. even know what they're saying. I just right. know the tone is like. If, if they had a tone translator, it would sound like that. Yeah, hundred percent. So. But where did you hear hear the term negging? Negging? I just I feel like that's in the the, the American lexicon. Like I yeah. So there's a negging. book called The Game. Uh, I've heard of it. Lee yeah. Strasberg, maybe Strauss something. Strasberg was Strasburg. an acting teacher. Well, there's this guy's Lee Strasberg or something. He wrote the book oh. The Game, and it's all about picking up women. And one of the terms in there was negging. So like, if you get a really high quality woman who's hot that gets hit on like every five seconds mm -hmm. you can't come in with the oh you're so pretty and beautiful would you like to have a drink and i can bring you a flower she'd be like yeah right so if you go there and go hey uh oh you didn't you didn't care about the makeup tonight huh how you doing I'm <laughs> you know and they're like whoa no one's ever said that to me but because you're not fawning all over them the neg is for the high quality woman or really, um, any woman? I know that's what it well, says in the book. Well, I feel very high quality because yeah. people tell me I look like dog shit all the time. Wow, they really <laughs> must—they gonna... really must like you. I know. That's why they're doing it. I'm so it's because I'm don't, popular. Don't like take, yeah, about. don't take it as a negative. <laughs> um, okay, now you did share something with me yesterday that blew me away, and you yeah. said I could ask you about this. This is yeah. not something I would surprise you with. I want everyone to know that <laughs> Nick is about to bully me. Yeah, I'm gonna totally <laughs> bully you. You were in uh, had a fiance. Yeah, I was and engaged. And you got snap dumped. Like we broke up. Yes, blocked everything, and yeah. you had uh, you went nuts. I did. Tell me, do you want to tell us about? Yeah. That? So I was engaged to be married in 2016 to a wonderful guy. He's a great guy. If you're out there watching, I doubt you're watching this because you, you know you've cut me off. <laughs> but he was a nice guy. He was in. Um, we met in LA. He was in the entertainment business. Um, he's an art director. Works in the art department. He worked really long hours. We were together for like five years, and. Um, we had sent out the save the dates to our wedding. We had planned the whole event and uh, yeah, we broke up six months before the wedding and I lost my damn mind. Like uh, literally though. Yeah. Like literally. Like it's not like a figure of speech. No, like I was institutionalized like for you several had a nervous years. Breakdown. Yeah, for how many years? Breakdown. I was in and out of treatment for two years, two whole years where I maybe spent, 60 days outside of a inpatient care facility. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, and this is a real thing. Like, like people go through this when they go through shit like this. Yeah. Right. And you obviously went to the barometer, went to the very end, the needle went all the end and you snapped. But mm -hmm. what, um, what type of, and I'm, this is just curious for me, what kind of treatment gets you out of that? Like, I know that it's, it's probably consistency over time equals success and you have to keep going through the same processes, but like what type of things do you do is it do you work on yourself 
esteem because a lot of it rejection when people get rejected yeah. it's a real tough nut to swallow right yeah and uh and that's usually like we talked about like if guys don't pay attention to you or they're this or that but it's mm-hmm. along that same lines where like sometimes you could be in a relationship with someone and actually not want to be in the relationship literally because there's nothing that it brings to the table but if that same person that you know it's better for you not to be with them actually rejects you you want to be with them yeah right yeah Yeah. so he he cut me off and he got all the friends too and i just felt like very alone and like i had ruined my life i went to several different types of treatment facilities i went to a couple of like bougie rehabs i went to like a bougie mental institution i went to less bougie treatment centers after that but um in terms of like what really helped me um never really felt at home with the recovery community and the 12 step and all that I that really and the longer I was in treatment you know the more like desperate and sad I got because like oh it's not working like I can't get back to my life like right. at first, when you first go in you're like you oh hope. I'll like go for 30 days hope. like I'll get I'll get a little clean I'll dry out I'll get a little more confidence I'll feel better and I'll go back but it just like it kept stringing on and I kept like struggling and struggling and um but in terms of like what really helped me and the things that I use today do you know about dialectical behavioral therapy I don't so dialectical behavioral therapy is like a behavioral therapy that helps people with depression borderline personality disorder all these different Mm. um you know depression and anxiety disorders and it's more I think the main component to it is mindfulness, like being present, being in the moment. So a lot of the exercises, like one of the more common exercises you'll see is name five things you see, name four things you hear, name three things you can touch, two things you uh, smell, and one thing you can taste. And that's like a way to center yourself, get yourself back into the moment. If you're in like a moment of crisis, describing the things around you, like I'm at this wooden wood grain table, I see like tan and brown and that's a black spot. And it's a way to like get yourself out of the crisis and into like the physical realm so there's an element of mindfulness there's also an um, an element of interpersonal effectiveness so they teach you how to like better listen to people and then cognitive behavioral therapy is sort of in the same like family of this and it has more to do with like negative thoughts and negative loop patterns that we get stuck into so for instance like if you're struggling um, in your poker game and you're like I'm never gonna win I'm always gonna get sucked out on I'm never like this like always never type thinking and so these types of behavioral therapies there's like a lot of it's not just like talk therapy I felt like when I was younger and struggling with depression my parents would just send me to talk therapy and put me on Prozac and it just it it, I, I feel like I stayed the same if not got worse but when I went into treatment and I learned more about these sort of proactive skills mm. that um, you can use that was just like definitely more effective long term for me and getting me into a place where I can be successful and find a new life because I didn't know that that was going to be possible so for a while. So when, when you started when you heard about this and you started leaning into those techniques that's when you started getting better? Yeah I definitely think so. I mean So I have kind of complicated feelings about like inpatient treatment in general. I feel like in a lot of ways, it's just like families with money. They don't know how to like be Mm -hmm. emotionally available for their family member Mm -hmm. and they can just kind of like shove you away and like you make them better and you come back when you're normal again. Yeah. And then also just like the experience is very you know humbling like they want to build you know strip you of everything build you like 
tear you down to build you back up and like in most of the treatment centers i went to it was very bougie and very comfortable so i don't want to act like i was you know like forced to like hike at 5 a.m or like you know scrubbing floors with a toilet brush or what like toothbrush that wasn't my experience yeah um but it does rob you of a little bit of your humanity and a little bit of like that fire that passion that spark when you spend so long in an inpatient facility on this like schedule and um all this group therapy and like a huge part of especially like mental institutions like mental health facilities is it's like group therapy like a a huge way that they're observing you is how you're interacting with Mm. the other people so like a lot of the times you spending very 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 little time with the actual like doctors and social workers and like you know license you know they have a very high hourly and they have to see you know you get like one hour with them a week but most of the time Mm -hmm. you're you know with like a minimum wage employee who is trying to manage your interpersonal effectiveness and communication with people that are just as sick if not sicker than you optimal in my opinion i don't know i just like having having gone through it myself i I, I don't know. But like some people need that. You know, some people are like totally. absolutely like there was one girl who I was in the mental institution with who was like punching the walls constantly and they had to like, you know, physically restrain her a lot. Jesus. And like she probably needed inpatient care. Yeah. Let me I have to let Clinton. So we'll take a quick break. I okay. want to dig into that. That's like okay. really interesting to me. And, <laughs> and I want to maybe have you help. Uh... OK, so here's my question to all that. Mm-hmm. My question is. Was I, I understand what you're saying is that that portion maybe for you was like not totally optimal. Um, but was if you didn't go into this process, would you have would you be who you are today? Would you be OK? No, <clears throat> I, I think I think that's absolutely fair. And that was my journey. Um, and I, I think that I met a lot of really mm-hmm. amazing people in treatment. The sad part about treatment is you don't really, because it's such like a shameful time in your life, right? There's still a lot of shame around like getting treatment or needing treatment or struggling. So I feel like a lot of those relationships you don't get to like carry on. The people I'm closest with were actually the people from the mental institution because like rehab when it's like a substance, oh, we're here for substance treatment. Yeah. Then like maybe it's harder to maintain relationships. But the yeah. people that I was in the the mental health facility with um, who are all like younger than me. So I was like really maternal to them. It's been really fun to like, you know, watch them grow up, so to speak, since I'm, you know, they're elder. But I don't, I don't regret it. And I think... It was really important, and it, and you're right. It it made me who I am today. Yeah, uh, all, our past, you know, there's a lot of things that we've all went through. I went through so many things, and they do build who you are today. They they dictate who you are. Of course, how you handle mm-hmm. them and how you get through it will dictate that too, because we all have to make choices mm-hmm. about what direction we're going. Because you could have made choices to say, "I'm not going to do that," and you could have spiraled into just an absolute nothing burger in life. I mean, mm-hmm. that's there's like these crossroads in life how you handle adversity and these tough times. Absolutely. Yeah. And a huge reason why I had to go, especially to like the rehab facility, was um, I was working at Starbucks in between. So I went to one treatment center. I was like back in Texas, like working at Starbucks, just like hating my life, trying to mm. you know just get through the days. And um, I went to buy weed from my coworkers because weed is not legal in Austin. You have right. to buy it, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And this motherfucker 
sold me K2. Do you know what that is? No. So it's a synthetic weed and they don't really know what's in it. There could be strychnine in it, rat poison. Like we, we don't really know what it is, but it like absolutely fries your brain. Mm. So I smoked like a, no one told, he didn't tell me it was K2. Obviously he was just trying, he wanted to make $50 off me. Like literally. That's we were working at thing, Starbucks. boys and girls. You can't just snort or puff anything anyone gives you. Exactly. It was a, a really harsh lesson for me. But anyway, I hallucinated very intensely because I smoked like a whole giant cone of the shit. Damn. And so I like literally thought Robin Williams was in the room with me. I called the paramedics on myself and I got like put in handcuffs and like brought into a holding cell because I was like a danger to myself because I was a hallucinating. Yeah, they 51 so you. Well, that's not what it's called in Texas. But like, yeah, I was like put in handcuffs and like yeah. taken from my own home. For your own good, yeah. And then they brought me to the PICU, which is the psychiatric intensive care unit. I have memories of being like held down and sedated because I literally like I thought I was on another planet. Jeez. And I probably stayed hallucinating or like not myself. Like there was like a, a gap between me yeah. and the physical realm for months, months. And I probably wasn't like truly, truly myself for a year after that. After smoking that. Mm-hmm. Damn. Like I was actively hallucinating for probably two months. Like actively. On like, and off? Like I had trouble taking grips with reality. Like I remember walking around. Treat me. I was scared all the time. I remember. And I was like, I also thought I, I was delusional too. There was like a, like a delusional thing. Like I remember walking around treatment with this other guy who was probably still struggling with whatever, you know, garbage he put into his body. And I was like, we're going to run this place. We're going to take him down You're for like, the inside. Is that, Rob, like, <laughs> is that Robin Williams? He's like, fuck yeah, it is. <laughs> And you guys were on the same page. Yeah, no, I just, I remember going for like a nature walk with him and just like, we really thought that we were going to take down Russia or something. Yeah. You were going to solve all the world's problems. Yeah. Well, that's what hallucinogens do to you is they, mm -hmm. they bring you into this deep state of thinking and thinking you can do things that you can't do <laughs> or fix. Yeah, that's true. Wow. Uh, man, that's heavy. I honestly, thank you for sharing that. That's really personal and, yeah. and it's not like. I mean, I don't know if anyone would all share that, but that's cool because there might be a lot of people out there that need to hear that because, like, you're fine right now. Yeah. You're good, like, oh legitimately. Oh, my God. I'm like, doing great. amazing. No more hallucinogens. No. Uh, no more I hallucinating. I still smoke weed. Yeah. I still smoke weed. And you are completely over the X. Yeah. I've okay. moved on from You're him. happy? I'm, I am happy. No. Well, like, the happy ending to the story and why I think it's relative to the relevant to the conversation. First off, I just, I'd, like, hinted it to, at it before when, like, I've been on other podcasts or done other interviews. Like I had like a sort of like a vague health crisis and like didn't really talk about the fact that like my fiance and I like broke up six months before our wedding and I lost my damn mind. But I think it's important because, yeah. you know, people that are watching this that like had sort of like a gap in their life and they think like, oh, it's like it's over for me. Like I'm not because that's what I thought when I was going through it. Like I had so much potential. I had a degree from NYU. Yeah, I was like. Um, writing I was getting meetings with like agents and managers and I like I was on I was getting um, you know spots in comedy festivals for women being on like headlining shows and I just like I like my big break was coming like it was it was it was on its way down happened. the pipeline and I felt like I, I like blew my chance and my life was over and that's sort of the happy ending that poker gave mm -hmm. me is that I had sort of given up on myself. I was literally working in a hotel, just like suicidal, living for my parents, just being like, I don't, you know, have the stones to leave the 
this earth because I love my family and I feel accountability to them. And poker really gave me something to live for again. It made me happy again. It, got, it brought me friends again. And it didn't happen overnight. It wasn't like a switch that happened. But like slowly over time, I melted into you know, who I am today and filled with like so much hope and possibility. Like I'm sitting here on one of like the more popular poker podcasts in existence. And I have all these opportunities in this new life because yeah. of poker, because, you know, I wasn't willing to give up on myself. So I tell the story to like give hope to others that are struggling. Yeah. I think that's really great that you do that. And, um, uh, ironically enough, this will be played after uh, Poker Bunny uh, I interviewed mm -hmm. and so she'll they'll already have watched this when I said this but yeah. she was struggling big time a little bit different yeah. different reasons and her exact same thing she said is poker saved her yeah like literally saved her gave a purpose to live gave her something to it was so to, nice to see her on Max Payne Monday she was really so looking so good and like right full of life like normal just secure. yeah I don't know her personally but it was really nice to yeah. see that arc e yeah even when I had a, we did our, our piece uh, she was really leveled she she um, she's in a good place and I'm really happy for her because yeah. you know she took a lot of heat for her manic behavior but she's a really good person and um, and, and I hope glad. that like some if you're watching this and you're one of the absolute creeps that is like rooting against her and her replies like go jump off a bridge like yeah. people struggle people make mistakes people are mean and people are allowed to change and grow so fucking give her give her a break she's like 24 years old and she's gonna do great things for our community so lay off i agree and i'm a big proponent of treating people like that regardless especially someone yeah. especially somebody that's in need of you know support um wow well speaking of poker you currently had mentioned to me that you currently are in a little mini poker hospital. Mm -hmm. You have grinded. You play poker now for a living for two years. You're 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 supporting yourself, which is hard mm -hmm. to do playing poker. So kudos to you. But we all understand variance. You mentioned trying to step up a little bit of your bankroll, and then you hit a little variance, and mm -hmm. now you're like, you want to tell us about that and the emotional yeah. part of that too. Absolutely. So um, my first year in poker, I spent a lot of time like working with clubs and game organizing. And I was truly like a one, two, one, three, two, five grinder. And I was making pretty decent money. I had a very good hourly and I was, you know, working with a club to help their social media and their websites and get people through the doors. And I was more on like the business side of things after that club decided to sell. And um, I had the opportunity to be like, okay, well now I get to be like, the follow pursue my dreams of like starting a vlog and like being a personality and standing on my own two feet so um that was this last year 2022 um I was very very fortunate I had sort of like my back up against the wall my bankroll was not in a good spot and I got second place in a tournament for 60k at the lodge and um then that enabled me to sort of like start taking shot takes in these 2040 games. Mm -hmm. I was able to do Max Payne Monday and um, be on a lot of these match the stack 2510 games at the Lodge and the other Texas clubs. And some of the shot takes went my way and some of them didn't. And my bankroll got a little bit depleted. And right when I needed it, I got second place again in the same tournament wow. series at the Lodge for another 55K. <coughs> and that was right um, on Halloween, right at the end of October, right after the viral video and stuff happened. Mm -hmm. And um, 
then I just I went through a hard time I was really overwhelmed by the new popularity that Mm -hmm. I've received because of the success of my viral video and my vlog and stuff Um, I don't have the same advantage of like anonymity and people underestimating me that I did before right so that learning how to adjust to that Mm. in the live poker setting in concert with you know shot taking in these bigger games it hasn't gone my way and you know what that's just poker like that's bankroll management. Like right. you have the money to take some shots and if they don't go your way, then it's time to go back down and grind it back up. So that's where I am in like the immediate now. Um, when I leave here, I'm going to go to Vegas and I'm going to grind some of these mid-state games that don't exist so much in Texas yet. And maybe I can work with some of the game organizers or I can start organizing games that more better fit where I need to be in my bankroll. Because right now in Texas, we have very, very strong 1-2, very, very healthy 1-3 community. The 2-5 it starts to get a little shoddier and it starts to get, you know, those games aren't as stale. No one's working to make sure that those games yeah. are fun and, you know, have people that we want to play with them in those games. So no one's really curating those games right now. Maybe I can take on a role in the future and create those games for myself in Texas. But right now they don't really exist in a way that I need them to to rebuild my bankroll. So I'm going to go to Vegas and maybe some other places where these games at the size that I need to rebuild my bankroll uh, Got will it. be. Got it. One second mm-hmm. break because I'm going to cough my brains out. <laughs> All right. So, okay. So then let me ask you about that a little bit. So okay. you, you built your bankroll up. You went a little bit up in stakes. Like we talked about bankroll management. Would Do you think ultimately that's a mistake? Do you think that that's something players should do? How do you feel about it now? Like say you build your bank, you go back, you find the 510 game or whatever it is, and you grind your way back up. You win a couple more tournaments or come in second. Do you do the same thing again? Do you shot take into the bigger games or do you approach this different next time? I think a goal that I need to make for myself personally this year is to get more comfortable selling action Mm. um, in cash settings, especially. So for my bigger tournament buy-ins, I'm very comfortable with like asking for Mm. staking Mm -hmm. and I have like a group of people that I go to, but in terms of getting staking for my shot takes and big cash games, I I definitely need to, because it's hard, you know, it's hard to be vulnerable and ask for help and asking people for money is like very uncomfortable for like a cat, like, hey, I'm going on Hustler Casino Live, you want to like, just give me money and, you know, but uh, truthfully, I have access to, you know, a lot of really good games and people would be willing to uh, stake me. So I think a goal that I should set for myself for 2023 is finding a comfort with that and that I don't have to do it all on my own because especially like my first year two years in poker you know I really only sold action for my very very biggest shot takes and tournaments and I was bearing all of the brunt of the shot the other shot takes by myself and I think moving forward I definitely should take advantage of some of the relationships I have and the people that want to support me and are willing to support me uh to you know, not just take all that risk on myself. I It's very empowering to take it all on yourself sure. and be like, fuck y'all, I'll do it my damn self and I'll take care of myself and I don't yeah. need no man. But I just think like in terms of like longevity uh-huh. and increasing my opportunities of long-term success, I definitely need to uh, improve in Do that you feel area. differently? I know 
<clears throat> look, I don't ever sell action. Sometimes I do a percent or two. Well, on, you're on, rich as fuck. Well, okay, <laughs> but but I my point is is on on Steak King. Is it Steak Kings? Whatever it is. The, yeah, the, the, the one hustler has a relationship. Yeah, with Yeah, I should know there is Steak, steak Kings. Shout out to Steak Kings. <laughs> um, sometimes I'll put a couple percent up there just for kicks. And honestly. It makes me feel pressure because I don't want yeah. anyone to lose. So like if so I much were, harder to lose for other if people. I if I were to need to have to sell action, I just feel like I would be I would feel differently about decisions I was making because yeah. I I would just feel like pressure not I would rather lose my money than someone else's money. Like, I think we all would. We it's all would. So yes, hard to I'm be not special. Believe me. Yeah, you're I, not fucking special. I'm definitely <laughs> not. Like I'm so cool. I would rather no. No. But yeah, I'm yeah, saying, yeah. does that would that if you do that, do you think it'll affect how you play? Um, I think it could. I yeah. mean, uh, an, I have a lot of goals for for poker besides uh, getting more comfortable with selling action, and it, a lot of them are around mindset. Um, I'm ironically actually. Before, you know, I was like a total exploitative player that didn't really know what I was doing. And this year I've worked really hard over the last year to sort of get my bearing. I do have individual coaching. Uh, He doesn't he doesn't want credit, but he gets all the BB. You changed my life every day. You're an amazing coach. You're an amazing friend. And thank you. And I wish you'd let me scream your name from the mountaintops because you're very, 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 very important to me. Okay. And I I know who you are and I love you. (laughs) We love you. No, but um. A, a lot of my goals are around mindset because I do have such like an amazing coach that has really helped me with my understanding of, you know, the strategic heuristics that a lot of my goals have to do with mindset. And that used to be one of my strengths before. Before I didn't know what the hell I was doing theoretically or strategically. I just sort of like knew how to read people and be in the moment and stay calm. And now that I have, you know, a lot more plates spinning in the air based on, you know, my knowledge of strategic play. Now it's sort of like the pendulum has swung the other way. And now Mm -hmm. my weakness is in a different area. Mm. So I think like intense exercise super helps with my mood swings. And so like me taking spin classes and making time for cardio um, is extremely important for me and my mental game. And not only just like my personal mental health and like being the best version of myself to those in my life, but also showing up to the poker table in the way that I want to. Yeah. And I know uh, I've talked about this with someone that I work with too. And it's like, I don't like to eat healthy. I just don't. I'm Italian. I like Italian food. I like to eat. I don't care about all the rules, but I will say, I don't know if, tell me if this, if you do this or if this Mm -hmm. affects you, but like if I go play poker and I eat like shitty or greasy or a big bowl of like pasta or whatever, like my brain gets like totally foggy if I do what all these nerds do now. Where are you eating that you're eating a big bowl of pasta at the poker table? (laughs) What is this a hustler? They got pasta bowls? Well, I mean, the hustler (laughs) does have a good angel hair and meatballs, uh, but you know, and they have burgers. And so to my point (laughs) is, uh, uh, that's what I would prefer than over yeah. the chicken breast or the salmon. But but do you eat differently when you're playing to keep your mind more clear? Or because I know exercise makes you feel more clear. It releases so many different things in your body. But is diet uh, a factor for you too? Because a lot of real serious poker players are very serious about what they eat, especially when they're playing. Yeah. So the one thing I didn't talk about when I was being vulnerable and talking about uh, my different treatments and all that. One of the treatment facilities I was at was actually for an eating disorder. That's been like the largest thing that I've struggled with is eating disorders so um a huge type 
all of them okay <laughs> the gross fine, kind fine, the fine, clean fine. kind yeah, like all of them. i've had bulimia where i purged i've had bulimia where i took diuretics i've had bulimia where i over exercised i've had anorexia where i don't eat for a month i've had you know Jesus. you know like i've had binge eating disorder matter with where you? i don't you know it's yeah, just uh yeah, I get it. you know you're, you're my trauma but uh so a huge like stalwart or like scaffolding of my life is intuitive eating along with the dbt and cbt therapies we were talking about earlier and intuitive eating you just like it's again about mindfulness and staying in the moment so my meditation practice is absolutely invaluable and started when I get unregulated dysregulated unregulated I forget what the word is um a lot of times it's because I'm not exercising or uh meditating I do Mm. meditate oh nice Mm -hmm. that's that's great man you really got your shit together I, I try. Yeah, I try. that's good. I try. But so, yeah, with intuitive eating, it's just a matter of like checking in with your hunger fullness cues and trying not to have like good foods or bad foods. And because yeah. I've had like forms of bulimia and anorexia where I like write down every little thing that I've ever had, I don't think it's very like useful or safe for me to be tracking macros or calories or whatever just because right. I've had an abusive relationship with that in the past. So I just try to eat when I'm hungry and stop when I'm full. And, um, a huge a huge part if I like want to take like focus on weight loss or like taking care of my body is like limiting alcohol and that's something I've gotten a lot I was a heavy drinker for my first two years of poker and I definitely like cut back and tried to be a little bit more healthy with that just because it takes care of my body well you drank a big healthy pour some scotch last night it's like oh my gosh don't drink three ounces of scotch in front of him judgy (laughs) totally (laughs) and I didn't pour it (laughs) <laughs> um uh, oh my god um i have a shirt that says i beat anorexia oh because I, yeah i crushed it i crushed it <laughs> i'm recovered um god for everyone who has anorexia is that a bad joke probably sorry i don't know i don't think anyone with anorexia is watching your podcast i'm, though, Nick. I'm sorry right. i think they're watching like call her daddy or yeah yeah they don't care about the vertucci podcast them and a lot of other people don't yeah. so okay um <laughs> Poker heroes, poker idols. Who's your poker heroes and idols? Who do you admire past, present, future? Okay, so first name that comes to mind is Jamie Kerstetter. Um, I think she does so much to grow the game in a positive way for women. Um, I've I've talked about her before. I don't want to, you know, suck her dick too hard, you know, but she is... She's amazing. She's been a great friend to me. Like Veronica, she was one of the first people to, yeah. you know, sort of discover that I was making fun, like funny content in the poker space and shine a light on me. Um, so I'm forever indebted to her. Uh, but I just think she's like really smart and really funny and really creative. Yeah. So Jamie's the first name that comes to mind. Um, Marley and Melissa are just like close friends of mine that are also making funny content in the poker space. And uh, getting to know them has been like such a privilege and being able to bounce ideas off of each other and support each other when we deal with like trolls or different relationships or different issues. Um, them in my life is amazing. And then um, in terms of like the old guard, I've gotten to play with Kathy Liebert a few times. I love her. She's no nonsense. She de- And I like that she's sort of like, you know, GTO. If you're playing GTO, you're making a lot of assumptions that everyone around you is playing GTO. But if you're playing GTO and I'm not, how are you going to react to me? So I kind of like that she's been resistant to the new wave of, you know, theoretics that theoretical 
you know, study that have come into poker. And I just think she's like a really cool lady who's never been anybody but herself. So I have all the admiration for her in the world. Love you, Kathy Liebert. Uh, whenever she engages with my Twitter content, I, I still get excited. That's cool. I do. Yeah. Um, who else? Um, I mean, everybody's in love with Phil Ivy. Phil Ivy's just like the coolest dude yeah, to I, ever do. There's nobody cooler. Yeah. <clears throat> so let's touch on a couple of those people. Uh, one, number one, I, I've said this before. Mm-hmm. I got something here. Oh, I you do. were just, no, I thought you were doing this to me. No, you're just scratching your chin. Yeah, I was. I thought I had something hanging in the beard because that happens. Yeah, you got and a little cum right here. The cum, oh, thank you. <laughs> Let me get that off. I wasn't, I wasn't referring to, to cum, but uh, whatever it is, it is. Um, could be the breakfast burrito, but either way. It could be either, actually. Oh. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, one thing I will say when you brought up Marley, I always said I think she's one of the funniest gals in poker. Her skits, I've said this before in a podcast, so it's not new. Mm-hmm. I just think she's the nuts. So yeah. that's it. Uh, on a second subject, I really like Jamie Kersetter. I have heard on the street that she doesn't care for me, but I don't know the reason why. So I just want to say publicly. And, can I, and I went on a podcast with her a long time ago, and she's commentated for us. So it was very sad to hear that. So hopefully I could meet up with her someday and talk. And, and You're being messy. <laughs> What's that mean? What's that mean? Like, you're just being messy. You're bringing up messy stuff. Should I not? You're being messy. Should I not? You know, should we, no, you're doing Should great. I walk it back? No, I just wanted to say that if I see her, maybe we could uh, be friends. Because I like her. I don't have anything against her. Um, and then Melissa also has some of the funniest trolls ever. And I want to say one of them, which is self-deprecating. And and she didn't care for me either because she's part of the the OnlyFans, Only Lies. What is it? Only Friends. Oh, my god. Only Friends. Only Friends group. I'm Switzerland over here. Yeah, I like yeah. all the poker podcast I families. I do, too. It's fine. Go watch their <laughs> podcast. I don't care. Um, but because of that controversy, she feels the same way. But she was on um, what podcast? Maybe it was Joey's or whatever. And she said... You know, um, one of the reasons she left the show was because they were always talking about a 56-year-old man-child, Joe Rogan wannabe. And I had a feeling that was me. So, yeah, yeah. You know, my possibly, logo's my logo's a circle. Why does it, why does it have to be that? Is it, if you're, have, if you're, listen, if your logo's a circle, does that just mean you're copying Joe Rogan? It doesn't say Joe Rogan, it says Nick Fertucci, and it doesn't say experience, it says show. What do you, and it's a lion. It's not, I mean, even, it's not even my picture. Let's be fair. A lot of the aesthetics are a nod to Joe. Like Joe's always like broadcasting from the most like raw wooded table and paneled walls. <laughs> That's really my style. But I, I, like I want to make no excuses. Let's just go with it. Let's lean into the I'm mini Joe Rogan. Honey, the name of my podcast in Texas is the Texas Poker Experience. And like literally someone pitched that name to me, obviously because of Joe Rogan. And we never thought of a better idea. So we just went with it. Oh, so you did that too? Yeah, I don't care. How I come would, you don't get any shit? I probably do. I'm just not listening. But like, oh. why wouldn't you want to be like the most popular podcast to ever exist? Of course you would. Yeah, duplication, right? But also, you know, that man-child dig was a really good one. Well it done, was so Kudog. funny. Well done. 56-year-old <laughs> man-child Joe Rogan wannabe. I actually laughed out loud. Kudos to you, Melissa. I know you're not watching, but... She might. She's busty. Maybe she'll check oh, out my content. Oh, because of you. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. That's good. I really don't have anything against her either. I, I wish she would like me. I like you. All right. So, <laughs> so <laughs> why, like that might be why Jamie, she's calling you a Jamie, man Jamie, Melissa, I like you. All right. Please like <laughs> Please Nick. You're send making me him nice, very insecure. Send, send me nice things. Okay. 
So tell me about your relationship with the Palm Social. Okay, so that was right. the club when I talked about the fir my first year in poker. I focused a lot on game organizing and working for a club. So I was a regular at this smaller club, and um, I wanted to get I wanted to get into this Friday night game that was really juicy. I really wanted to get so I was there all the time, and I would like try to and th they let me in first off, and then they kicked me out because I won too much money, and I just I didn't know the poker etiquette at the time. I was like right. brand new. I was still working at the hotel the first few like times. You were so they let offended me play when you couldn't game. play again, probably right. I just didn't understand. Well, like I understood, but I just um, anyway, I was very relentless to try about trying to get back into that game. And I think that's where and I bring it up just because I think that's why my relationship with the club grew because I became obsessed with getting back into that game. Because like I said, I can have a kind of personality. And um, so I started organizing games there myself, these two five games. And I got a relationship with the club. They sort of kept me in um, into like the club in general. And I redesigned their website. And I took over their social media. I helped them launch their stream. And I was, you know, propping up games that just like occurred naturally during the day, as well as organizing ones that I ran um, several days a week. And I was more like a club promoter, game organizer Host, than yeah. like a player. But I was probably making more money grinding back then just because of the volume. Like a huge thing about like being a poker grinder that's profitable is you have to get the type of volume in to watch that graph rise you know totally. so when i was playing at that club and probably putting in between 60 and 80 hours like a lot of just time on the felt like i would get there at 11 and a lot of times i'd leave at 2 a.m you know several like most days of the week so that time was invaluable just in terms of like experience and time on the felt and then also managing personalities and if i want to go back into game organizing again like if lodge called jason from the lodge calls me up and is like caitlin you know our two five game needs a little loving and a little tender love and support will you will you come on and be a team player yeah i feel like i have the skill set to do that and uh execute in a in a way that is uh competent nice nice no it's good <laughs> you know have you had more opportunities since your popularity has grown like besides being here on the nick fertucci show i mean, the I, nick mean I don't think you're gonna show. cap that but are other doors opening for you yeah for sure my um my your your enemy your mortal enemies the other poker podcast community the only friends have had me on a couple of times yeah. uh joey had me on one of his live shows and i've gotten to you know befriend him and Good. he's great because i can just hit him up for advice now like as people like offer me opportunities and stuff and be like oh these people want me to come out and promote for them like what should i charge them and he's been very available and helpful to me in terms of like growing my business like that so shout out to joey and then um yeah I don't know if after my first Hustler appearance, I wasn't welcome back or not. We'll have to ask B Billy about that. But I got back on, um, back in the good graces of Max Payne Monday. So Why were you in the bad graces? I told you that story. Yeah, but about I don't how remember what exactly it was. And then it wasn't clear to me. Well, you know, we may never know or we may have to ask Billy, but like the first time I came and uh -huh. I won and then I remember like I asked him for a last minute seat and it was probably just like last minute. Like someone was like, oh, you want to go to L.A. this weekend? So it was like five days before the show. I was just like, you don't happen to have a seat. And he said no. And then a Texas player was like, oh, they didn't like you. They thought you were fake and Southern and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but that's not confirmed. That's just somebody that said that. Right? He just said that. He just might have been trying to embarrass yeah, me and, in front of my and, friends. And I will tell you this. Max Payne Monday seats like go out sometimes 60 days of being booked. They're yeah. very like in demand and people are trying. So so like a last minute thing would be I, I, yeah. I would not read into that. Yeah. 
Personally. But in terms of like opportunities, like, yeah, like I can literally just text Billy and be like, can I please come? And he's like, of yeah, course. you got it. Nice. So that's, you know, privilege. <laughs> yep. Yep. So Texas Poker Experience Podcast, your partner, Craig, tell me about that. So I have a podcast that I started last year. We have, I think, 23 or 24 episodes that we put out throughout the years, so like one every other week. Um, we talk about Texas poker issues. We have Texas poker personalities on as guests, sort of our biggest guests. We had an Andrew Nimi episode. Um, some of our other episodes that I would encourage people to check out is, um, poker traveler, SETI, who you've seen on like the vlogger stream for WPT. And I think he's been out to visit the hustler as well. He's a growing personality. He started his YouTube vlog. He was one of the OG Texas poker influencers on Instagram. Uh, that's a very funny episode. The episode was SETI. And then our most recent episode, we actually got to dive into the legality of the issue. I've had my personal friend who I worked with at Palm Social, Sam Von Kennel, on a couple of times to talk about um, his work. So basically how Texas became, Texas poker became legal, like period, and we go over this in episode one, is uh, Sam Von Kennel had, um, his dad was in the lobby, lobbying in Texas Congress. So that was his background. So Sam sort of had the relationships and the know-how to exploit this loophole and find a way to open the social club. So back in 2015, the original Texas card house on Manchac that Sam opened, he did that using sort of his, his, uh, government savvy and his relationships, um, from, you know, his, uh, his father's work and was able, so we call him the white knight of Texas poker. Uh, he's a very, you know, legendary figure. And now he's forming, uh, an associate, he sold out his partnership of Texas card house. So he's no longer a part of that family, but I think he's starting an association with a lot of the major Texas clubs to advocate for Texas poker because, you know, the legality issue, it's still sort of like a, as it stands right now, it's like a city by city discretion. Like if you have a district attorney that maybe has someone in their pockets or decides that poker is bad for the community, they have the power to sort of revoke your um, certificate of operation, CO, certificate of operation, yeah, away from you. And then you have to go through the whole appeals process to stay open, which is what we saw happen in Dallas with the yeah. Texas card house there. And they've beaten that. And um, it does look like 732 is going to legitimize and put some protections around. And then off-duty, the huge thing that Sam educated me about that I've been telling people that I'm personally excited about is that once this bill passes that puts a little bit more legitimization and like protection around Texas poker is that we'll be able to have off-duty police officers um, for security. So nice. we can have like a squad car parked out front. So, and there, I mean, Texas poker is safe. The, the incidences of like being robbed or held up or very few and far between since I've been involved in Texas poker, I think I can think of like three that have happened in three years, um, just off the top of my head. So it already is pretty safe and all the major clubs have lockers available and security escorts, but having the squad car parked out front, just like the bingo halls have in other parts of town, I think, you know, is, is great for Texas. Well, poker. listen, Caitlin, it's like this, you know, for years and I'm talking 20, 30 years I've been playing poker Every casino I've ever been to, the bike, the commerce, this, that, Texas, doesn't matter. Look, there's people that walk in and out with a lot of money. That mm -hmm. is a target for, uh, that's just a target. And, you know, there's been there's been advice coming in and out of casinos, no matter where you're at, Texas, California, doesn't matter. You have to be aware of your surroundings. You have to make sure, you know, you look in your mirrors. People follow you home. They create 
uh, fake accidents, uh, you know, where they, they get you to stop and then they rob you. So some of the people we won't mention who, but like to lean into these topics and did whole shows on how, uh, horrible it is and how this in Texas and the card room and even the lodge had their whatever and, and a bunch of podcasts went nuts about like whatever but this is common this is not you know something that uh, is new to the lodge that it happened to or what you're referencing this is just something you have to be very 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 careful I'll even say you know uh, about two or three weeks ago I got a text from um, Mayhem and Big John that they think that somebody was trying to stage a accident on Big John when he was leaving just a couple weeks ago. Uh, they just stopped right in front of him, slammed on their brakes. I forget the other details, and he wound up getting out of it. But he thought that it was an on-purpose following mm -hmm. him from the casino. You just have to be very careful. And yeah. probably recommended that if you're a regular player, you get a player bank or a box. Yeah, and one beyond just like security escorts and safety deposit boxes is the lodge. I, f I feel like I said it on a podcast, so maybe I can take credit for them doing this. Mm -hmm. But they have reserved spots for the stream players right out front so that there are signs that are like, okay, on the days that we're running streams, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, at these times, these spots are reserved. Because when you're willing to like put yourself, you know, in the thumbnail and everybody is going to know sure. exactly how much money and where you are, you know, I think it's it's the the it's appropriate for the club to take certain precautions for you. Yeah, absolutely. As they mm -hmm. should. So yeah, for sure. So, tell me, speaking of the lodge, tell me about your relationship with them, your relationship inside the, the poker room when you're playing and your relationship and how you met Doug. Absolutely. So, um, my relationship with Doug, we'll start with Doug specifically started, um, Back last April, he decided to go off on one of his, you know, tangents about Yumi New, who was the plus size model who got the cover of Sports Illustrated last year. And she's right. like a size 18 or 20, I think. She's, you know, she's a big lady. Yeah. But um, he sort of said some incendiary things about her not being healthy and her not being beautiful. And, you know, he just sort of like stood on his soapbox and was just kind of being like an obnoxious dude about it. And um, that night, I just sort of had the idea to be a little cheeky about it. And I was playing at the lodge the next day. They were having a big series at the time. And they were running a 700K event that was that was supposed to have, like, a massive overlay on it. So I tweeted a picture of me in my underwear. And I was like, hey, y'all, Doug asked me to tell y'all that there's a huge overlay on this tournament tomorrow. And oh uh, he was just so grateful to have a plus-size micro-influencer in the Texas poker community to yeah. get the word out. Oh my and God. that tweet did really, really well. That is tweet it, was like my up most right popular now tweet. If anyone wants to see you in your underwear? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. If you follow me on Instagram, tell I him, regularly him, post photos in my your, underwear on my your, stories. <laughs> tell them your Instagram and Twitter name. Yeah, so it's Caitlin Komeski, C-A-I-T-L-I-N-C-O-M-E-S-K-E-Y. If you want to see me in my, in my underwear and my bathing suit, you can follow me on my personal socials. I don't have an OnlyFans yet. No, I don't. We're working <laughs> on it. We're working on it. <laughs> we're working on I it. want a 25% cut. Subscriptions are <laughs> Do you have nice Nick, do you have, Nick Fertucci sex traffic comedian yeah, yeah just by that comment will be clipped out and I'll be blackballed and me too so if we do start this page do you have nice feet no shit because there's such a market I get market. a pedicure like once every three months oh, I need to set up I Can, need to you set better up get your game. shit together because these guys they really want to see the pigs <laughs> 
<laughs> no, okay. I, just, I don't I don't think that's what I have to offer this this universe this planet <laughs> the attractiveness of my feet but yeah so anyway I did that tweet that was like extremely popular um and just because you know I dunked on Doug Polk so everybody, yeah. <laughs> everybody loved it yeah but what I always tell people when I tell that story is to Doug's credit he really took like full ownership of those comments yeah the management like the people that work at Lodge and the other owners um, the, the Texas based ones were really disappointed in those comments and they didn't appreciate them because I mean like can you imagine working at the lodge as a plus size woman and you're like checking him in and out or dealing to him and you have to look him in the eye and know he thinks like you're not deserving of being called beautiful or put on the cover of a magazine yeah, because you know of you know how your body looks I just I don't know so I, I wanted to stand up for him for the for his employees more so was why I followed up with like talking about it on my vlog and on my podcast and sort of asking for there to be a little accountability there and to his credit he like absolutely 100% stood up he let his employees um tell him how they felt about it and from wow. everything that i hear he like really and he he spoke to me about it um at the time and he's just he you know i was really proud and appreciative of how he handled that situation and didn't just you know go full like sure deny no, deny fuck totally you i get to think it. what i want you right. know kind of a thing well i'll say two things he uh i've never seen him take that much heat over anything but that was like the 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 crescendo of him taking heat and i've never seen him walk anything back that's the first time i've ever seen that so uh but but i do believe everyone has a right to do that right has a right to miss say something and then go wow that was just kind of dumb 100%. you know so yeah kudos to him and i mean he didn't say anything like factually wrong like it's bad to it's not great to be obese it's not great to be very very yeah, he really leaned into the health part you of know it, and yeah. the, and but like at the same time, like we're in a southern state, you know, it's and this is what I said on my vlog. It's just like a matter of manners. It's yeah, just like a matter of being polite. Like that's just not how we we operate down there. It's just this like nastiness. No, um, I I get it. I get it. Well, yeah. Um, on that subject, you had some notes here that you wrote. Uh, bullies, adversary, and uh, enemies. Do you do you want to like talk on? I wanted to. I'm going to ask you about the Jack forehand. I ask all my guests. Love it. Um, so we could get into that and you had you had written down those three things do you have some thoughts on those particular things or anything um, you i definitely about? do think because poker is a male dominated space and mm -hmm. poker you know exists a lot on like twitter reddit discord sort of these forum these forums that are heavily populated by the incel types and you know you know white horny men that feel like you know the world owes them something and they're not attractive to women so fuck women and they hate women so I know me and a lot of women in the poker space get like a lot of attention from those incels and I've given myself the permission to just insta block just like absolutely snap right. block I don't want to see it yeah I don't want to see it and it's, it's my page and I don't have to and like yeah it's your right to tell me like oh you look like you enjoy a big mac or like oh you're a big why lady anyone, but like why would anyone I don't why would, I don't need to look at that and I don't want to why would anyone do that I don't I don't understand it I think I just don't it's in a way it's they want attention they see you getting attention so it's yeah. like okay how can I get her attention oh probably by saying if i just am another person saying like oh this is funny content i like you like she won't see me but if i say something devastating you know maybe maybe i'll be seen so mean i just don't like it 
Sometimes you get like funny trolls though that go off. Like you were talking about how Melissa got you with the man child comment. One time somebody created a fake account and like made a bunch of comments on my Instagram posts uh, accusing me of having man hands. And so that's like a big joke between me and my other podcast. So Craig is like my man hands, even though they're actually kind of like small and dainty. They yeah, just, you don't really have they're man hands. I think it's the pronouncement of the knuckles. You have big <laughs> they're knuckles? Really deep. Well, no, they're just like deep grooves. Oh. Deep grooves in the knuckles. Okay. Maybe they're not very like long and like slender ballerina like fingers. No, but they're they're not man hands. I wouldn't yeah. want your hands, <laughs> right? So I think they're still. Women they're no hands. calluses. Yeah, no, that's good. That's why it's been <laughs> yeah, slow. It's been a slow all... summer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Once I get uh, out in the field. Yeah. Okay. Um, anything else you want to talk on that, or, or did you did you blow your wad on that? <laughs> Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, you good? You good? I'm completely spent. <laughs> All right, just a couple minutes on this subject if you want. What do you think uh, of the whole Hustler Casino Live controversy? Anything you want to talk about at the hand, Robbie, if you, or if you don't want to, or what you've seen the poker community do through it? Do you have any thoughts? Yeah, so I think the hand, first off, there's a reason why it took over the poker community and made mainstream um, news is because that's an outrageous hand. Sure. Like calling for a hundred thousand dollars with Jack high is outrageous and it's appropriate for there to be questions and attention around it. Couldn't agree more. You know? So first off, like absolutely it was outrageous. And then I think Robbie is a good character for the community. I'm, I'm excited to see your uh, interview with her and, um, her live chat she seems to be very interested in being a public figure within poker and has embraced the attention and uh you know is a a willing participant and i think that she's a good character for us i i like sort of her fuck you attitude at time her devil may care attitude she's just very you know in her body and herself and i i think she's fabulous and i hope she's around for a long time playing poker and entertaining us um what else do i want to say about jack four i think i very much understood that she was like nervous and flustered and from the very beginning i i thought she was cheating because and I told you this yesterday like I feel like a lot of people got tipped off like because of discord channels or like having you know whatever group chats that they're on with poker people I feel like the news spread out before it aired live like yo Garrett left the stream early because he thought someone was cheating right so most of us that are like you know plugged into the community and have like any type of you know direct access to that that was the headline coming and so like we already had sort of made up our minds before we saw it. So it was sort of a confirmation bias when we were able to like imbue meaning onto her different reactions in terms of, I thought it was outrageous that she was like, you made me do this to you and how she taunted him right after. And I don't know that he walks off and like throws the fit and, you know, accuses her publicly the way that he does if she didn't taunt him the way that she did afterwards. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people talk about the stuff that she said right after the hand in terms of like, yeah. you made me do this to you or I did this to you the other day and sort of like her dunking on him because she she made a correct play. Yeah, and obviously the, the thought process is why did you make that play because it makes no sense, but uh, I'm not going to give away... Well, I I won't be able to give away because this will come on after Robbie's. So I was going to say I don't want to give away so I could talk about it because yeah, yeah, yeah. she said it. Yeah. Um, we talked about that. And, you know, at first she said she didn't even realize he thought 
that she, there was something nefarious. She just thought she, he was mad at her. And so she got nervous mm -hmm. and she got nervous in that again, this is up for everyone to believe. I'm, I'm not spitting it saying I believe it, not believe it. I, unless I know for sure, I can't say, but I could just say what she said. And, and you know, she, she finally explained why she changed her narrative so many times. Uh, but she just said she was nervous. He's a big deal. She knows he dictated a lot of the lineups, had a lot of say, uh, she was a little bit panicked. And then, um, this is what her last stance was. She said on my podcast was that she literally thought, she, again, you can believe what you want. I'm not saying I believe it or don't believe it. I'm just saying this is what she said and mm -hmm. I'm giving you the information is that she really thought she had Jack 3. She had Jack 3 the hand before. She said that she was looking at her cards for like 15, 20 seconds, but she was staring through them. I've done that personally where I, I've missed my hand even with my hand up because I'm just in the tank um, or maybe nervous or confused or whatever she was. And... Um, and then was because she did make the comment is a three good and and then she was embarrassed and then uh, did a video after and said she was kind of I don't want to say asked but maybe prompted by Ryan like how could you say you thought had Jack three because you looked at your cards for like twenty seconds like that doesn't make sense you're gonna like look bad so she didn't lean into what she said is the truth because of that comment so we you know well whoever wants to believe that can believe that mm -hmm. and um and you know it's funny because. Uh, when I put up on social media that I'll be do, I'll be dropping her podcast on the Monday and then I'll be yeah. doing the live thing on Tuesday. You know, one of my close friends, Mike Mattisau, blasted me. I mean, he blasted <gasps> me on his podcast. Another yeah. 56 year old man, baby. <laughs> yeah, he, he put it a little different and he misquoted me about some of the things I was saying um, that I said that I. Uh, how could I have her on that I'm selling out for clicks and I finally got him on the phone I actually went on his podcast and said Mike you're crazy I said selling out for clicks is me doing you know bringing a bunch of people on saying a bunch of things that are not true and milking it me just asking someone questions that everyone wants to know the answer to I don't think is is anything and I never said I hated her I never said that what I said was I hate what she's doing and I still to this day could say that I hate that when this happened her narrative changed four times back and forth. I hated that she leaned so heavy into it and seemed like none of this affected her at first, like almost sociopathic. And he misquoted me and said that I hate her, call her sociopath. That's not true. And he went back on air and he admitted that I was a little bit bullish. Um, but I, I took a lot of heat from him. I don't know if I'm going to take heat from others too, like that I'm just trying to promote drama. I'm really not. The poker community wants to know what she has to say. And they have questions for her. And I still lean on, you can believe what you want. I, I don't know. I mean, believe what you want. Like, there is no hard factual facts either way. And so draw your own determination, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, the one thing that I brought up to you when we were speaking about it off air yesterday was I think a complicating factor that was there from the very beginning was the nature of her relationship with rip and everyone's questions mm -hmm. around that. Like Doug probably put out the, the video that he did the very next day mm -hmm. where he said it as fact, as like gospel that they were in a relationship together and people knew that they were dating or whatever. Yeah. And I mean, that's two marriages that are involved. I know. So I think everybody's behavior being a little frantic and odd around that is, not at all surprising when there are children and marriages involved, you know? Yeah. You know, it's like this. If you're going to cheat and you're going to cheat in cahoots with somebody, let's say it's Rip, you don't need to be fucking him to cheat. 
right? Mm -hmm. So point is, is okay, if you're interested in that, I guess you're just interested in that because that has no bearing on what the truth is. You can mm -hmm. cheat with someone that you're close to in a non-intimate relationship, but I think people are just drawn to the TMZ type of gossip. Mm -hmm. And they brought that into it because, like I said, I don't know how that, I don't know how that plays into it, yes or no, because there are a lot of people in the poker community and other chess and different things and different things that have cheated that are not having sexual, that, that are in cahoots that have, so it's just silly. Yeah, it's and I silly. don't know the truth. I haven't asked anybody well, or care, but I mean, it was like a scintillating, scintillating, scintillating yeah. part of the story. And I mean, it is. I, and like right when everything started to die down and people quit asking and caring about it, all of a sudden there they are at an NFL game, like making yeah. the national you coverage. You can't make that up. Yeah. Wow. And then Savannah chimed in and had her thoughts and I'll yeah. leave her the hell alone because I know she's going through it. But totally. it's, you know, it's, it's scintillating. Yeah, it's, that's... It's, that's rough and there's a lot of personal relationships in that and uh um you know again this podcast is going to be after she came on and she admitted what her exact relationship was with uh with him and for those of you who don't know go watch the episode and you could hear it out of her mouth i'm not going to repeat it they can those are her words let her let her hear them from her not me um but it took a lot of guts in my opinion to say what she said on my podcast because I was not prepared when I asked her the question to have such honesty. Mm -hmm. Now, did she go the full route with all the honesty? I don't know. Who knows? But that's her business. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I'll, I'll just assume everybody's up on the up and up. Nobody's hurt anybody because I don't want people to be sad or unhappy. Totally. Unhappy. <laughs> unhappy. Unhappy. <laughs> um, okay. couple questions and then I'll let you have the last, last word. Um, any future poker goals that you want to accomplish in your poker career? Um, I definitely want to get my bankroll, like immediate goal is I want my bankroll to be healthy enough to play 1025 as my main game. Yeah. Um, another goal, I would love to have some more tournament results this year and I would love to finish one out. I would love a first place finish and I don't really care if that first place finish is a lot less than my second place finishes or whatever, but I want to win a heads up battle. Good, yeah. And one thing that everyone knows about me at the lodge is I don't, I don't chop. And Lodge is pretty notorious for experiencing a lot of chops towards the end. And mm. I'm not saying I'll never take a chop if it's not like within my best interest to do so. But for the most part, I work really, really hard on my game. And when I have the opportunity to play for 100K, I'm going to roll the dice and you're going to have to beat me. Totally. And that's, you know. Well, I hope you get there. That'll be exciting. Um, oh, one thing before I give you the last question that I wanted to ask you and reminded me of it. You recently, we talked about your downswing and you recently, I think you said you were at the lodge and you were forced to play the stand-up game and you lost your shit. Yeah, I had, I had, I had a meltdown. So this was actually the second time I did well in the tournament and got second um, on Halloween. It was like right around Halloween weekend. The very next day I had already been scheduled to be on the stream, the Monday stream that starts at like two or whatever. And I had asked Skull Mike if I could be on who runs the streams at uh, Lodge. I had asked him like really early on if I could be um, on that stream. And he was like, yeah. And he accommodated it. And I reminded him beforehand. And he was like, yeah, yeah, absolutely got you. But when I got ran so deep in the tournament, I was, you know, there till like almost like three in the morning. So, and then like after you have a deep run in a tournament, like I, get like a huge surge of adrenaline so it's not like I went out and partied and celebrated mm. my win I more so was just like wired and couldn't sleep so 
I showed up and I was in costume to my credit. I honored my commitment, but I was like sleep deprived. I was not my best self. I was really amped up. And um, I always assumed that I had had like the right to refuse straddles and like prop games. Mm -hmm. Like it had never been made clear to me and if it had and I missed it my my apologies but it had never like I didn't think like I was going to be forced to play a stand-up game when I didn't want to because like I had worn high heels I was exhausted like I just I didn't want to stand yeah I thought I was tired and I just you know I was already giving like loose action I had won a bunch of money the night before I knew like I was being like fun and outrageous and I was providing a good like you know, entertainment value of my presence at the table. Like I didn't feel like I had to play the stand-up game too, but I think the lodge, you know, that's like a huge, and because I'm not like there every, every, every week, I hadn't realized how integral the stand-up game had become to their stream. Is it? They play it two to three times on every single one of their streams to the point where it's like a requirement and it's an, an assumption. And, I had pers- I apologized personally to Skull Mike. I apologized personally to. Did you flip uh, everyone off? Flip Rick. I did flip off some people. <laughs> you flipped flip people off, off and people. then le- and then left. Yeah, I, I flipped people off on the way out, and like to the lodge's credit, they did a really good job of maybe like cutting around my bad behavior and like yeah. helping me out this when people were like, yeah, it was on air. They were, they they did like Skull Mike and uh, Slick Rick. They had. They had my back and they, they didn't let people take me to task too bad. I, and hopefully everyone was pretty understanding of like the extenuating circumstances that made me not show up in my best way possible. But I haven't been back on the stream since then, actually. Um, not because like I refuse to or there's bad blood there. I love all those guys. My relationship yeah. with the Lodge is very positive. I consider it my homeroom in Austin. Um, if you're at the Lodge and you want to come play at the Lodge, like totally hit me up. That's that's my room. But hit her yeah, up and I then ignore her. Yeah, and then yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then like neg me. Be indifferent. Be indifferent. <laughs> um, but well, yeah, no, I I don't love the stand up game. I'm trying to get over that mental block specifically, especially since it is so integral to the lodge stream specifically at my home club. But um, I I understand why they like it. It loosens why? up the game. It loosens up action. People get more desperate they to sit. win. They want to sit. They, they don't want to pay the bounty. Yeah. And um. Well, you know, I was in uh, Vegas some months back and I was in Bobby's room and that's a thing there too. And so I had to do it for the first time. I hated it. Yeah. Literally hated it. And then now Doug's asked me to come out and maybe play in February when they launch and I'd like to support him, but am I going to have to stand up? I don't know. That's a question for him because I know like these 2550 and like specialty streams where they have like a a lot, they're relaunching their stream. They built like a whole new studio. So kudos to the lodge. They're going to really be upping the ante in terms of their production quality and a lot of different things. So I don't know with like these big, like the 2550s or like if you're playing 5100, if they're going to require stand-up games to that level. But typically, yes, the lodge is very big fan of the stand-up Well, the good thing about our place is when you stand up, you impair some of the cameras. So we're always asked to sit down if we're standing around the table. (laughs) You don't have to play it. That is so great. It's like you have to sit down like no problem. So, yeah. all right. So, got but like, po- and another huge thing, like when I first started playing, and I've lost a little weight, so like my full body shot looks a little better than it did before. But when they first started making me play it all the time, I was just insecure because I'm like, that's a bad angle for me, y'all. Oh my god, <laughs> I get it. I'm like, God, yeah. my fucking fat yeah. ass does not look good from that angle. Help me out here. Yeah. Oh my god. 
I mean, hey, that's it's just. It's cool. I've taken like several dozen spin classes. Since it's just then, honesty, so we look, right? We we'll see. The, so maybe the stand-up game. I have an game, honesty problem. Maybe the stand-up game has helped you. It might have. It's yeah. motivated you to spin. <laughs> Whatever. Maybe. Sit and spin. <laughs> Anyways, how about personal goals? Kids. Things, grandkids. I'm ready to go find, to the moon. No, I'm like ready to find my husband. It was so hilarious because my poker coach was having like a very serious conversation with me, and um, some other support people were there. And um, one of the support people was like, "What? What do you want to happen this year? What is your goal for this year?" And I was like, "I want to find my husband." Really? <laughs> yeah. Nice. No, I definitely like. I'm I'm ready to yeah. to start a family in that Good. sense. I mean, I'm 33. It's yeah. time for me to yeah. You get there. To I, find my person. Great. I'll do great. Be yeah. a mother. Good. Traumatize some children of yes. my own. Just beat them down <laughs> into nubs. All right. So, gonna give you the last word. Do you have one? Do you have any final thoughts? Anything you want to say to anyone? Anything before we close? No. Thanks for having me out here. If I said anything that offended you, it was Nick's fault. Nick made me say it, and he paid me to say it. It's always my fault. <laughs> just so you know, it's always my fault. All right. This is the Nick Fertucci Show. I am Nick Fertucci. This is Caitlin Komeski. Komeski. Caitlin from Texas. Caitlin from Texas. <laughs> Envy out.